0: Welcome to the SermoCast. I'm Brad Brinkworth with Sermo Farm. We're here today to talk about insights and ideas from the world of global agricultural innovation. We're coming to you live from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and we're talking about the new landscape of animal feed technology in agriculture. Our guests include Dr. Foco Aldershoff and Jan Vervlosum of New Science. Foco is an account manager with New Science and his work includes a strong focus on pigs, Yon is poultry category manager with New Science, both are currently here in Calgary participating in a Canadian market tour along with members of the team from Canadian Biosystems, which is based here in Canada and is the Canadian marketing partner for New Science. Both companies are leaders in feed technology. Also here today from Canadian Biosystems we have Rob Patterson, Technical Director, Mark Peters, Sales and Marketing Director, and Doug Richards, Sales Representative. Also on the controls today for this SermoCast, we have Eric Smith from Rural Roots Canada. Shout out to the team at Rural Roots. Uh, New Science is based out of Belgium. It's a part of the Royal AgriFirm group based out of the Netherlands. They are involved in feed technology that's leading the pace of innovation for global livestock production. There have been a lot of changes in agriculture and in related feed technology. The team at New Science has been doing it from the beginning. They've been rocketing out of the starting blocks in pursuit of rising opportunities for innovative livestock production solutions. And they've been involved with advances in animal feed and nutrition technology that are ushering in what we're calling a bold new era of progress for poultry, swine, and ruminant industries. top example now leading the pace of innovation in many key markets is medium chains fatty acids technology pioneered and advanced by new science we've seen a sharp rise in interest and adoption of mcfa across the canadian market where it is available via newly expanded distribution under the Biotica brand with tailored versions for each livestock species. And this is among the latest signals of a continued strong worldwide trend. So a lot of aspects in this area of innovation that we want to delve into, I'll hand it over to Rob Patterson of Canadian Biosystems to help moderate this discussion. Over to you, Rob. Well, Thanks, Brad.
1: Um, happy to be guest hosting the CERMOcast Day. So I've got Foco here, we've got Jan. So the first question, I think, just to get it going, guys, is maybe one of you can jump in and just uh, give us a little bit of background on where this came from, where it started, why MCFAs? Um, you know, what, what was the, the spurring point or what was the starting point to get, to get into this technology?
2: For that, I have to go back already a long time in, uh, in history, you could say. Uh, it started about 20, 25 years ago with uh, some guys. Uh, doing their PhD at the university in Ghent. And they were then already looking for alternatives for antibiotics. uh, Because, uh, as you said, we are based in Belgium. uh, Already a long time ago, uh, you can say Europe, and uh, the European legislation was intending to stop with antibiotic use uh, as a feed additive. uh? So a lot of research was then done. Uh, by the people doing uh, research at the university. So these two, two guys, they were then focusing on the mean chain fatty acids. Why? Because it's also known from human, uh, So it is medium chain fatty acids, although we call it today a new technology, uh, but actually they exist already a long time. Uh, so this is, let's say, more or less when it, uh, it started. Uh, the objective was to find alternatives uh, for antibiotic growth promoters. Uh, for all species. Uh, But as the university where the people were doing their uh, PhD, they were focusing mainly on pigs. Uh, So uh, the first product which was developed by our company based on medium chain fatty acids was uh, for pigs. Uh, You can also say the name under which the medium chain fatty acids here are marketed, of course, is biotica as the main name. Eh? But in, uh, in let's say, Europe and, and in some other parts of the world, it was called aromabiotic. Eh? Why aroma? Because of the pigs. Eh? So they were not consuming the medium-chain fatty acids and such. So there was an aroma added to it as well.
1: Uh, okay. So maybe you can touch on that. So the, the very first MCFAs that came out, you're you're guiding them towards pigs. Was there an evolution in terms of uh, the development. So the first generation of MCFAs. you know, as you said, the pigs weren't eating them. So you had to add a, an aroma or a flavor to the, to that product blend. So, you know, maybe what did you learn from that? Like, why, why weren't the pigs eating, uh, that first generation of, of the product? Uh,
2: the main thing was that, uh, when you look to medium chain fatty acids, there are different types of medium chain fatty acids. Uh? So you have the salts, you have the triglycerides, and you have the free activated one. Uh, and actually, when you start doing the thing, uh, the the research was first started with, you can say, the salts. Uh, uh, and when you were giving them in different concentrations, because when you start looking for what is the proper concentration or the dosage for the different types of, of uh, animals, of the pigs, uh, then you find that yeah, it is not so tasteful, uh, because of the soap forming or because of the smell, and uh, things like that. Uh, so and then they switched on to, yeah, other types. Uh, so they went from the salts, and then finally we ended up with the free activated molecules of the fatty acids.
1: Okay, so first generation, you figure out you have some in the university level, you see some really nice benefits in terms of in terms of what? what are these what are these MCFAs doing? are they? Um, are they promoting the immunity? Uh, there are of the pig or the chicken um uh, you, you know you said you're they're being developed in terms of being able to replace antibiotics because the eu is coming out with some legislative guidelines that that are going to remove those from the marketplace so what was spurring the ymcfas over short chain fatty acids or ymcfas over some sort of other technology what what actually were are were the the discovery of these MCFAs? Yeah, the main doing? thing
2: was, uh, in, the first, uh, in the first place, was pure the antibacterial effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you look to the comparison, uh, because you mentioned the short chain fatty acids, uh, it was quite clear and very rapidly clear that the potential, the, the activity range uh, of medium chain fatty acids was several times higher than the short chain fatty acids. Uh, that was very, very rapidly clear. Uh, also that the mode of action to be antibacterial was quite different. Eh? Of course, today we are 20, 25 years further eh? and a lot of new insights eh, in the molecules and a lot of more knowledge is still being gathered.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what, okay. And I take it for granted because I've been talking to you guys about this for over over two years now, but maybe we should actually talk about you know, what are MCFAs? You know, what what's a medium chain? Why is it medium? What, what's the difference between Long chain, medium chain, volatile fatty acids, short chain fatty acids. You know, maybe this is a good one for Foco to answer.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So there's a difference between short chain fatty acids and medium chain fatty acids. It's based on the on the on the chain length, the carbon atoms, the number right. of carbon atoms that is present in the acid. So an acid starting from six carbon atoms in a row, we would call a medium chain fatty acids, a medium chain fatty acid up to 12 so we have classified four different medium ch- medium chain fatty acids with which we work C6 C8 C10 and C12 capric caproic caprylic and lauric acid so those are medium chain fatty acids short chain fatty acids for instance uh, C1 C2 C3 C4 uh, propionic acid or, or or butyric acid such kind of acids right so no. they're a bit different
1: and in the literature now you, especially in the popular press you see a lot of uh, articles coming out on Butyric acid specifically. Lots and lots and lots of work coming out. So what was what's the maybe you guys can tell tell me a little bit about the difference or tell the audience a little bit about the difference between, say, butyric, which seems to be the, the darling of the short chain fatty acid. It's volatile, so it tends to need to be some sort of coating applied to it, or or it needs to be applied in a liquid form. And the benefits that that the industry is seeing, why they're why people are latching on to, to the butyric and maybe why we should be thinking about uh, you know the MCFAs as maybe the next generation or or an even superior technology. Uh, uh, you both
2: both you jump in. Like yeah, we're bringing as yeah, casual yeah, as we yeah, can yeah, here. Yeah. Okay. No, if you look to butyric acids, which is a short chain fatty acid C4, mm-hmm. eh? and you call it volatile, and it is volatile. But also, if you compare, let's say, the the short chain fatty acids with the medium chain fatty acids, eh? is that the medium chain fatty acids they have a different uh, emulsifying factor eh, or how you call it hlb factor then for instance butyric acid eh? now that has a big impact on the functionality or the result of the medium chain fatty acids eh? because if you mix two droplets of water and you shake them they will become one droplet of water eh? and the same will be if you mix two droplets of the similar oil eh? it will become one oil droplet right 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 but if you mix a, a droplet of water with a droplet of oil, it will not become one. And so if you're attacking, trying to attack bacteria, eh, which have a similar cell membrane than medium chain fatty acids, you could say, because they have some several components in between, yep. it is much easier uh, to attack the bacteria.
3: Yeah. So what we've seen is that the medium chain fatty acids are more similar in structure to the, to the, to the bacterial cell membranes. And yeah, that's why the, if they come close, they can interfere with each other.
1: Right, to the possible yeah. lipid bilayer of, of the of the bacteria.. Yes. Correct. Right. Yeah. So this is really one of the key advantages that w- that you're seeing, we're seeing for sure with the MCFA versus uh, a short chain a butyric acid type type technology.
3: Yeah, exactly. And butyric yeah. acid is only one acid. in our blend, we use four. And what we've seen is that using four different acids, you create a synergistic synergistic effect. So we've seen that by using a blend, we are more able to get this uh, this antibacterial effect, the interference with the bacterial cell membrane, uh, than just using one one single acid. For instance, a butyric acid.
1: Was that discovery made early on uh, at the university level when this technology was being pioneered? Was that something that was seen? Uh, you know, were were they looking at the differences? Were they looking at um, okay, we're going to look at these natural um, functional fatty acids and? were they you know what were the metric points at that early stage was it um kill rates say of certain pathogens in in the lab in vitro assays being developed and, and then they were trialing everything from <clears throat> c1 to c24 and then they spotted on the mediums like what was the what was the the the, the eureka moment
3: yeah it was indeed like you're describing it was to kill off the kill off of, of certain bacterial strains so what they did this day just Uh, Inoculated several petri dishes with several strains of bacteria and several let's say positive treatments So short chain fatty acids medium chain fatty acids combinations of acids and just by looking uh, At what's happening at what was happening as such you could easily see that the combination of medium chains was more effective so based on that some MIC values some minimum inhibitory concentrations have been calculated uh, for some individual short chain fatty acids some individual organic acids but also compared to the blend of medium chains, and then we noted indeed that yeah the medium chains together in a blend have got a better MIC value yeah. for a lot of different gram positive and gram negative uh, yeah bacterial strains, yeah. pathogenic bacterial strains.
1: So was it really? So all that that all that early on university work, was this was new science really involved at the university level during all of that? that pioneering work, you know, at Canadian Biosystems we're, we're, were tightly linked in with uh, university systems across Canada and, and, and across the world where we um, really work with those researchers and take those good ideas, and then our job is to kind of <coughs> bring it to the market. Was new science really involved at that, that pioneering work? That's that's how you, you know, the expertise it, came from?
2: Yes, yeah, so the expertise actually came from uh, two people eh, doing, first of all, their PhD at the university at that time, eh, regarding uh, the medium chain fatty acids. Eh? And uh, yeah, they, they they were employed by our company to bring that technology. Eh? Uh, in the end, it resulted in a, in a patent eh? for, for uses, for the applications, for the different uh, species. Eh? So yes, eh? uh, you can say that uh, NuScience has been involved from the beginning, from the initial stage, to right. develop the medium chain fatty acids as a feed additive eh? for the different species, I should call, eh? from in the beginning yeah yeah and what was the focusing on pigs what
1: was the early market um acceptance or adoption like you know because uh antibiotics were banned legislatively in the eu in 2006
3: 2006
1: in in feed but you're still allowed in water but the early years was was that the trigger point like did you see did you see voluntary shift in the uh pig producers saying we want to get away from we know because what, what what we're seeing right now in Canada is we had about a year and a half lead up. Uh, and the government was saying, okay, January 1 of 2019, antibiotics are gone. But they were telling us this about 18 months ahead. Mm. So people had time to prepare. So they had time to test out MCFAs or probiotics or essential oils or whatever. Was it kind of the similar adoption rate and and gradient into into the the technology being accepted in the EU?
2: Did you see something similar? Uh, I think like with any introduction of a new topic or a new uh, additive, it takes time. eh? Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned the word voluntary. eh? Uh, As long as there is a legislation in which it was permitted to use either via via the feed or via prescription to use antibiotics, which was much more uh, cheaper then of course, the the medium chain fatty acids. Voluntarily, I would not, yeah. <laughs> there was not so such a big. No. Same uh, as Canada then. Yes, uh, so it is taking time. You really have to explain very well how these medium chain fatty acids actually uh, improve also the food safety because it is related to the food safety as yeah. well yeah. Uh, in that respect. And then people start first listening, thinking, and then they start trying. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we've, in Europe, we have passed that, that period. Yeah, you're, uh, mature, you're a far yes. more mature market for that yes. than,
1: than uh, the rest of the world. Because we've seen the same thing where um, y- you saw a market or a consumer-driven shift towards removal of antibiotics. And it was really driven by the retail chains <coughs> like mm-hmm. the McDonald's and the A&Ws and, and, and chain restaurants like that. It wasn't until January 1 that people said, oh, this is a real thing. We need to actually have a plan. That now we're starting to see a, a, a real nice adoption rate on on the technology. Um, so how did that evolve? Did it did it start in the piglets with you guys with with your early adoption or your early push? And did it? Does uh, that where it started? That you know those are the most vulnerable pigs. Yeah. Uh, you know maybe talk about that for a little bit.
3: Yeah, no, it started definitely in the in the piglets uh, because that's need like you say the most vulnerable stage of the life of the, of the pig from 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 birth until until slaughters so that's where it all it all started um, so in 2006 indeed AGp's antimicrobial growth promoters were banned in Europe I'm myself I'm from the Netherlands and then what we saw people people in general they don't like change so as soon as long as something is still allowed for use they would use it yeah. and yeah. especially if price you know price comes in comes in place but then indeed they had to change so then suddenly they were starting to use alternatives like our medium chain fatty acids so that really accelerated the, the development of new technologies and new new ways of using yeah. medium chains so yes we started with the piglets but then we found out that also in other animal species like poultry like cattle there were yeah. positive effects and also in for instance if you talk about pigs sows um, uh, fattening pigs uh, wing piglets so that that really accelerated um yeah using MCFAs in a the blend yeah, in different different uh different ways
4: yeah, yeah. so talk, talking about piglets yeah if we want to go back twenty five years and we start talking, and start thinking about uh, when we started using organic acid so uh, citric acid or phosphoric acid through the water to beating pigs yeah. uh, that was our, our I think a lot of farmers get mixed up between or are confused between organic acids, short-chain fatty acids, medium-chain fatty acids. What's the role of those, those, the, the citric acid or the organic acids in piglet nutrition, especially going through the water? And is there, is there a misconception of why you put it in the water? Yeah, because so, the assumption is that if it goes in the water, that you are actually acidifying the gut of the pig.
3: Yeah, so those acids you're talking about are aimed at acidifying the environment in which they're in. It could be water, it could be the stomach of the piglet, it could be the feet in which they're in. So those acids are really aimed at acidifying. Um, so if you add those acids to drinking water, you're acidifying yeah, the drinking water. You're making sure that the drinking water is of high quality, that it contains less pathogens. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that through the drinking water that the piglets drink, you also acidify, for instance, the stomach of the, of the piglet. Um, Our medium chain fatty acids, like we explained, they've got a different different mode of action. They've got a clear antibacterial effect. So they're not necessarily aimed at reducing the pH of the environment in which they're in, but they've got a different different mode of action. They approach bacteria, they interfere with the bacterial cell membrane and they cause damage. And a clear antibacterial um, effect, so So different.
4: So when you acidify the water, then you're just improving the quality. the water yeah yeah you're not necessarily acidifying
3: the gut not necessarily you know the impact of the you know the small amount of pig that is drinking is just way too low uh to really reduce the ph of a stomach for instance
2: yeah because the stomach itself it is acidifying and it's one of the main functions of a stomach it's it's to produce acids and so the the impact of the acids which you bring from outside into the stomach is really very limited
3: yeah
1: but there would be a synergistic effect here, is, would there be? Yeah. So I would say probably maybe Mark, you can jump in on this one as well. The number of, of piglet feeds, pig feeds in general in Canada that that are, have some sort of acidification program going on would be probably eight or nine out of 10 at some level, I would guess. So there's going to be some synergies going on there as well. Is that that's kind of what I'm hearing is from 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 Yon and Focal, right? The the the. The functionality of the MCFAs might be improved with a with a either an infeed or an in water acidification
0: program.
2: Yeah, the more acid the environment is in which the medium chain fatty acids behave, right. eh, the less they they become undissociated. Undis- eh? So this means they keep their potency to become active once they penetrate the bacteria eh? so they, it's a kind of protection right eh? or activation of the medium chain fatty acids so yes that is synergistic right, right.
3: so the right. more acid the environment the more active our MCFAs the are. More potent the, the more potent let's right say. Yes. Yeah.
1: so once they cross that cell membrane then they're going to yes. be yeah. able to give up that proton drop the ph yes. within yes. the cell yeah. and off off we go towards yes. Killing the path
4: that so it's, just, like the best way to, to accomplish that is to add those organic acids through the feed, yeah, other than
3: the water. Yeah, for instance, if you look at if you look at uh, well, solutions for piglets, uh, the pH of struggling piglets of the, the pH of the stomach is around four, um, but of course we want to achieve a lower stomach pH for our medium chain fatty acids to be more potent. So that's why quite often, indeed, yeah, acidifying acids, organic acids, are added to the yeah to the piglet feed, mm-hmm. in combination with our MCFAs. Yeah. yeah.
2: If I would translate this actually to, to, to poultry, eh, you have growing animals and you have egg-producing animals. And now what is what is very difficult, what is different between growing animals and uh, laying animals in terms of feed composition is that there is a lot of calcium available eh, for, eh, for the egg production. So if you feed eh, a calcium-rich feed to poultry, this has an impact on your stomach, eh, on the pH of your stomach. So in, in the application of medium chain fatty acids, which we use, eh, for instance, your biotica L, eh, there is also an, an acidifier in it. Eh, so there is lactic acid in it eh, to compensate actually for the, the, the calcium which is available in the feed. Yeah. yeah, you know,
1: this, and linking it back into the pig side, this is a big problem still in North America that we see is the overfeeding of limestone calcium
3: carbonate
1: so yeah. So you know, one of the things we always run into is that buffering capacity of the calcium carbonate people don't realize even 15 years later in, in north america since in europe you started doing this is that calcium carbonate is that anti-nutrient so it does it does have that um reverse effect potentially on on the benefits that you could get from those mcfas mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah for sure you're seeing it in the in the laying hands um that's true but that's a good that's a good segue though so the first the first successes you saw was really designing for designed to 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 benefit the pick. Yeah. at what point did you see a transition and, and you say you really had something here we want to look at the feathers as well uh was that just a natural evolution was there a, you know product segmentation when did that start start happening right at the beginning uh
2: I think this started uh, because in the beginning, when we had our, our aromabiotic or uh, your biotica B eh, in uh, or uh, S eh, in uh, S for pigs, yes, yeah. yeah. eh, So the aromabiotic in 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 Europe, let's say. Uh, the first thing is that we also started using that in poultry, eh, both for broilers and for layers. Right. Eh? Uh, then we saw different. Uh, reactions eh, to what we have seen in uh, in pigs uh, at the same time, eh, because there is some years eh, from the initial phase from the research and then already in the marketing phase from anobiotic, eh, there is some years already past. We also get some extra insights in how molecules behave. Eh? And then I think after one of two years, when we were using the same product for eh, for, for mainly for poultry, that yes, we, we saw that we should reoptimize. The formulation you can say, or the the, the ratios of the different molecules. Uh, it's like uh, I sometimes compare it with uh, optimizing uh, for the amino acids. Right. Uh, it's uh, when you make an optimal uh, amino acid ratio balance for a broiler grower. Uh, it's not the same as when you do that for a layer. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, so, but this is—it's not an exact. It's not a correct comparison. But yep, yep, uh, no but, it, uh, but it is in this way. Uh, so then we did research to, to optimize the the ratio between the medium chain fatty acids used for mature birds. <clears throat> uh, the main reason for that was that indeed, uh, first we were only looking to the antibacterial effects. Yep. Then we learn that actually the microflora in the intestines from growing birds is totally different from a mature bird. It is related even to the feed compositions. Eh? And then, okay, then you you need to reformulate, eh? you to, to reanalyze again what is the best given, actually, the environment in which this type of bird is living, eh? is behaving, eh? uh, and that's that's why it became different.
4: But that for me is a very important part of that technology that i find very intriguing because it's not unlike what we do with our enzyme technology and the, the uh, uh, strain specific activities to target those specific substrates in different blends and that's what you're doing with per species
1: yeah exactly yes. right yes. that's 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 really the interesting thing is that now so you, you 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 introduce the product and the technology in the netherlands which is a very pig centric market Correct me if I'm wrong. And then you slowly see the evolution of the product line, do research, reevaluate, figure out that you need a new set of or blend of MCFA. So what would be the difference then?
3: Yeah. So what we noted with our four medium chain fatty acids that we have in a blend is that the shorter ones, so the C6 and the C8 are more active against, let's say, gram negative bacteria and the C10 and C12 are more active against gram-positive bacteria. So keeping this in mind and knowing that several of those types of bacteria are causing serious problems for producers and for their animals, we thought, okay, how can we use this knowledge to you know, try to find out or try to find out if there are several concepts possible for several sorts of issues. So based on that, we have started to, to start trials, targeting specific types of bacteria with different blends. And there we saw some quite interesting effects. So because of that kind of research, and because of that kind of demand from the market, yeah, we, are, we were able to develop products, for instance, specifically targeting uh, Salmonella, a gram-negative bacterial strain, or uh, Clostridium or, or Streptococcus, a more gram-positive bacterial strain. So that really has di- diversified, right. yeah. Yeah, so the, uh, the so use it, of MCVAs in different, uh, different directions.
1: Yeah, so on the pig side, really it, it re-evolved um, from a comprehensive blend, maybe to one that, like you're saying, the shorter chain lengths yeah. targeting those gram negative pigs are, yeah. E. coli is a huge problem in pigs, always has been. Yeah. Um, so, so that pig specific blend would be targeting those. And then you're right. The, the feather formulation, the poultry feather formulation would be more targeting towards the gram positive. So the clostridium, the streps, the staph
3: type, type, type bacteria. Yeah, more or less, yes. But it's it's also important to keep in mind that in those products, we always keep the blend because we know yeah. the synergistic effect of the four assets together yeah. is still very strong. So
1: and that would be actually a good, a good point to make, too, because um, more and more now, I'm sure you saw this, too, as you as being a pioneer into the field you build out the marketplace and you build out the space and you're known as the MCFA experts and you have that expertise and then you always get copycats coming in, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're seeing this now since we've been working with with the new science group in the last two and a half, three years is now everyone seems to have an MCFA. So yeah. what we're seeing and, and Mark maybe jump in here too is we we're seeing these single the single MCFAs mm-hmm. coming into the marketplace. Or even worse, uh you know refined palm oil or refined coconut oil and you need 10 kilos per ton or 15 mm-hmm. kilos per ton to get the benefits that that we're describing so that's really back to my point is that the blend is really what is most important and then from the blend you can modify to specific uh solution type type applications right
3: yeah that's true because the the medium chain fatty acids we use they're derived through this you know distillation from yeah uh, natural oils like palm oil so we use specific pure mcfas to make these blends that enables us to create a product for instance one kg of product could contain 60 percent of mcfas but if you would use let's say one kg of palm oil you first of all have a lower concentration of mcfas and you don't know exactly what the blend of mcfas is yeah. so that's a big that's a big difference yeah. for sure yeah
4: are yeah there any
3: other activated mcfas in the market no it's our patent and we are uh, we're yeah. using it
2: And that's that's the value of a patent. Now, what is what is also important is that when we talk about uh, the microflora in an intestine, if you really want to specifically attack, eh, uh, the objective must be that you do not disturb the other ones, eh, which are the beneficial ones. eh? And uh, if you really focus only on one uh, specific uh, bacteria in your uh, intestine, because this is the only place where we can actually attack them, then you must be very careful of not disturbing the balance and creating another problem. And that's one of the advantages of actually defining the balance between the different ones to maintain the balance of the beneficial ones. So how, maybe a tough question,
1: maybe not, Uh so how 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 does how does that work? So how do the MCFAs target the pathogenic versus and have no effect? Some of the data we were we were looking at earlier today, uh, before the before the cat the podcast started was very clear evidence where you see reductions both in vitro and in vivo of the pathogenic bacteria. Yet there's no effect, it seems, on the beneficials, so the lactic acid producing bacteria. So what why are the MCFAs targeting, how are they not
3: uh, killing off the beneficial? Yeah, it all comes down to the, to the, to the hydrophilic, lipophilic balance uh, of the cell membrane, the bacterial cell membrane of certain bacterial strains. Mm-hmm. Is it similar to our MCFAs or is it not similar to our MCFAs? Are, the, are these MCFAs able to interfere with the bacterial cell membrane or not? What we've seen is that on, on gut level, uh, the mcfas interfere with the pathogenic bacteria but they don't interfere with the normal microbiota uh,
2: if you yes. look uh, if you yeah. look to the different minimal inhibition concentration uh, for the different medium chain fatty acids with the different bacteria you will see differences uh, as you will also see for short chain fatty acids uh, or other products right. uh, there is a difference uh, and it's just by really <laughs> by making this right combination uh, knowing what is inside, uh, more or less, what is inside as a microfloor, right. that you can uh, really approach the most pathogenic one and still leave the beneficial ones uh, un- unattached. So presumably, if you had the wrong balance, you could
1: target both the pathogenic and the beneficial. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. right. So that yeah. this is part of the advantage. Yeah, it's, it's gut
3: steering in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. gut yes.
1: steering it is a good one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so that's, a, that's another good segue, maybe linking in just from... At the gut level, we're seeing with your with the research that you're seeing, you're seeing these reductions in pathogen loads. So that's presumably allowing energy, uh, nutrition, nutrition, energy being uh, diverted to growth. That's where we want it to be rather than getting these infections. Is there anything? You know, we talked a little bit about um, gross immunity, plane of immunity, plane of
3: health uh, before we got going here. You know, effect on neutrophil, maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so what, we, what we've what we seen is that MCFAs, they accumulate in neutrophils. Neutrophils, part of the, of the immune system, white blood cell, first line of defense against intruders, pathogenic intruders, uh, bacteria mainly. Uh, what we see, MCFAs accumulate in the neutrophils, and this prolongs the process of apoptosis, the programmed cell death. Yeah. So basically, MCFAs are able to yeah, keep those <coughs> neutrophils alive a bit longer. So it really improves what we call the neutrophil Uh, quality. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have more neutrophils, because more neutrophils would mean more energy wastage on your immune system. No, it really prolongs the activity of neutrophils. And this also means it takes the effect of MGFAs out of just the gut, but into the whole animal, because neutrophils travel the whole body, respiratory tract, uh, uterus, reproductive tract. And that's also what we see. So yes, we see the positive effect on the overall health status immune system right. of the animal. Mm. Right. So prolonged use, prolonged use, yeah. Prolonged use. More efficient.
1: Yeah, as yeah. opposed to some of the some of the technologies that have come out or that have entered that for sure into the Canadian market where they're really pulse driven. You know, you get a you get a problem? Yeah. Pulse treatment
3: yeah. in and
1: out. In and out, right? Yeah. And and how effective is that and you yeah. as the producer you have to know exactly what's going on and yeah. Uh be able to measure that, be able to dose it, be able to, to watch the reduction and then not only put it in, but not only turn the turn the tap on, turn it off. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's this prolonged use. That that's really the long term strategy yeah.
4: that you've seen.
3: Yeah, it's a customer. standard implementation of the product in the feed, and then you see for instance, if you talk about pigs, cycle after cycle after cycle on your on your pig farm, you see. Yeah. Uh, beneficial effects, uh, decreased infection pressures of certain pathogenic bacteria in your, in your, in your barns. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, really. What about on, on the poultry side of things? Reduced
2: necrotic enteritis, ne- you know, reduced coccy? Yeah, I, I just want to continue a little bit first uh, on what uh, Fokker has been saying. So when you talk about uh, improving the immune status of animals, eh, this mainly results, if you talk about, in terms of so a technical performance, actually in, an, in a protein saving uh, value. Uh, And this is what you see, with with definitely, with poultry. Uh, So if you talk about layers, uh, or if you talk about uh, broilers, uh, if you're able to improve your immune status of the birds, you will get, actually, the typical uh, protein improvements. So this means weight gain, carcass yield, and for layers, this means your egg quality, your albumin quality. Uh, And this is actually, uh, let's say, about eight, ten years ago uh, that we first started looking to that, eh? to, to, to look for the immune system. Why? Because uh, as, as our company, we are developing additives, eh? and an additive is not developed in one year eh? or in one day. It takes a long time, so we yeah. need to know how genetics is also in evo- ev- uh, evaluating or uh, in the future. Eh? And then you can see things and we have to anticipate in it with the knowledge what we have. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's driving down, getting down to that mode of action level too, yes. isn't it, right, yes. as you make yes. these yeah. discoveries? yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: So, so you're using it to build immunity rather than kind of as a treatment, right?
3: Yeah, it's definitely... So
4: what, what's kind of the timeline we need to look at if we start using these MCFA's to see some benefit of putting them in?
3: It depends a bit, it depends a bit on the species, uh, I think. But in general, if you would look at the, at the, at the, the neutrophil site, uh, it will take at least four weeks before you see a positive effect on the neutrophils. Um, that's in general. Um, so that's when you can expect the first benefits, if you talk about the immune system. Of course, the antibacterial mode of action, as soon as it enters the, the oral yeah. cavity, it's there, yeah. right? So it starts off killing bacteria straight away, but the immune system, at least four weeks, yeah. Mm-hmm. is that
1: Would that be consistent from mammalian neutrophils and avian neutrophils, like bird,
2: chicken, turkey, versus yeah, the- pig? Uh, Cattle. Although we have a long history in in, in uh, researching our medium chain fatty acids, I must admit that not everything is known. Yeah. Uh, if we look to the heterophyll, uh because uh, it's not that neutrophils but heterophils in poultry uh, today, I cannot say you it will take four weeks, uh, for to build up the the level. I assume uh, that there is even a difference between growing birds and adult birds. Oh, without question. Yes. Yeah. Eh? So, and, and I think in a young bird, it will go much quicker than in a, grow, than in a, a mature bird or, or, or prick, for instance. Eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, what we do see eh, when you uh, apply uh, Biotica L in, uh, in layers or in, uh, in broilers, eh? that in layers, for instance, eh? because we try to translate everything into performances, eh? that if you want to improve your, uh, your production, uh, and you have a clutch length uh, of, let's say, 45 eggs, uh, which is, uh, which is you can say, a flock which is producing 97, 98% has that clutch length, otherwise it's not possible. You have to wait at least 47 days or 46, 47 days before you can see any improvement. Yeah. Uh, the, that's, that is one of the things. For broilers, uh, it goes a little bit quicker. <laughs> For broilers, yeah. Uh, it goes a little bit quicker because the turnover of the protein is also quicker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So,
4: so yeah. the answer is maybe. <laughs> the answer is <laughs> well, a question. Yeah, that's right. It's
1: about neutrophil difference between species.
3: Yes. Yeah, well, yes. if you, you haven't really touched upon ruminants yet. No, um, no, you don't yeah. know whether that's, that's, that's the right that's, moment. Um, well, it can
1: but, be, and that, that th- it's a good time to to touch on that too. Um, we can, I was going to ask about, um, we keep talking about bacterial pathogens, but I was going to <clears> ask about viral because that's a big one that we haven't touched. Yeah. But we can come back to that. That's fine, one of the right? biggest, one of the biggest advantages or noticeable advantages we saw with the MCFA technology, incorporating it and adopting it into the Canadian marketplace was the effect on cattle, um, young calves, uh, initially raised under organic conditions in eastern Canada, and now more and more seeing it on, um, on, on, on mature cows. So maybe yeah, touch on that. With what? So we we started with pigs. Right uh, build out the marketplace there, uh, come out of a pig centric country, being the Netherlands and and branch out into the feathers and the poultry. So was that the next step,
3: uh, was going into the, into the, the ruminants? Yeah, it was the next step because yeah, we are a monogastrics company, right? We've talked pigs in the beginning. We've talked poultry, monogastric animals. Well, obviously ruminants, uh, ruminants, polygastric, um, and um, so we, we 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 didn't really expect similar effects, you know, in, in ruminants, but we said, okay, let's let's give it a try. Why didn't we expect similar effects? Because the room- yeah, the, the rumen is different, you know, pH of six and a half, seven. Um, so you wouldn't expect that antibacterial effect that we see in monogastrics straight away. But we did know about the immune system and about the neutrophils. So we thought, okay, let's run trials. And there as well, we saw yeah, the, the positive effect on the immune system. Translating, for instance, automatically in dairy cattle, in reduced somatic cell scores in the other. Right. Um, so also there, within four or five weeks, yeah, you can you can see a positive effect on the uh, nutritional quality. And, and I should add into the uh, to the ten people that are going to
1: listen to this to this podcast that Voco is a uh, dairy ruminant vet by yeah. training. So you know, yeah, you know yeah. what you're talking about. But yeah, uh, was there any? trepidation, any 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 nervousness, anxiety about putting what you knew to be an antibacterial compound into a highly loaded bacterial environment being the rumen? Like was that
3: how did you how did you think about that in terms of the product development? Yeah, it was. Right. Of course, of course. But if you don't try new stuff of course, you're yeah. never going to find out. So, yeah. under you know certain trial circumstances, we just gave it a go.
1: Right, right. And so, uh, it, did it start backwards? In like, did you start with the same kind of um, in vitro, in vivo, small scale in vivo, large scale in vivo that you would have done on the initial development, or did it come a little bit backwards? Did you say, well, we have a well, we presume to be a good blend. Um, you know, we're a feed additive company. We're a, a, a monogastric feed producing company but we're also feeding this, this, this dairy herd. Let's just try it there, take a look at the records, and then come back and yeah, it's, it's, a bit,
3: it's a bit of both. So first, we, because in, in the lab, in vitro, you can really simulate the rumen, right? You can simulate it yep. in, a, in a good way. So that's how we started. We just tried to simulate the rumen, add the MCFAs to that, and see what would happen. You saw some bacterial shifts. You saw some shifts in volatile fatty acids produced by microbiota, right. b- bacteria, protozoa present in the rumen that looked good and then we thought okay give it a go in vivo yeah that's how it actually went so yeah we we started off in vitro yeah. and then with that we, we went in vivo
2: yeah and yeah. if I remember well from the past the objective was then uh, for the cell count uh, against yeah. mastitis yeah that, that was the main objective to, to, to reduce that yeah. uh, and from that on you work you do your work further yeah uh, try to proceed yeah because
3: 90 yeah. 90 of the somatic cells you know you see in, in in mastitis milk let's say can be neutrophils so we knew that and we knew also the effect on neutrophils in in pigs and in poultry so what we thought yeah well that of course would make sense if you could if you could also improve the neutrophil quality in cattle and it did so yes yeah that's that was actually, so that, uh, that's that's the big leap there
1: yeah so great so um, cause we got there a little bit differently on the, on the pigs and the poultry where we said, um, you're really finding an antibacterial type compound, it's not one for one replace, but at least try to, to slot in instead of the traditional antibiotics, see the equivalent performance, uh, um, a microbiome that is far more healthy say. And then afterwards the research got towards better neutrophil populations the yeah. neutrophil numbers yeah uh, staying around longer less death but on the dairy it sounds like the first discovery was the immunity the immune cell yeah and then so was there any um corresponding to this reverse pattern like what did you see on the performance side was it more milk
3: output was it more yeah was it a shift? you know higher milk fat higher my yeah. protein what what was it yeah, so on rumen level, we saw a better a better fermentation. So there was a higher output of propionic acid on rumen level, and propionic acid is the precursor for glucose, you know, mm-hmm. for gluconeogenesis mm-hmm. in the cow, and glucose is lactose in the milk. So what we saw indeed was more milk. We also saw better, better components, so better fat and better protein. Yeah. At the same time, you know that you've got the neutrophil quality. So at the same time, we saw that Somatic cell scores, especially on farms that had, you know, a big problem with with subclinical mastitis, somatic cell scores were going down. So the other tissue was getting healthier, wasting less energy, less protein on fighting, you know, subclinical mastitis, on fighting infections there. So, yeah, that also translates into more milk because the cow is able to use that protein and energy for milk production, what she should be doing instead of uh yeah fighting fighting uh, fighting pathogens uh Mm -hmm. on other level
1: well it's a good
3: point to make is it is the these these,
1: um responses to this sort of technology are always varied my my experience is that you see the best response on the tail end of any given um any given farm operation so for example on on some other things we've done we we tend to see uh on a on a farm that really is struggling like you're saying is that where the biggest benefit is to be had or is there still a a, a spot for this technology even on the top 10 percent top 5 percent producers
3: yeah so so in the in in the farms that are struggling you would see most effect on like i said somatic cells and other health but of course for the top end yeah the mcfas have proven that they can improve the digestion and the the volatile fatty acid output they can change that on rumen level so there you would still see yeah, a better fermentation on rumen level resulting in more milk yeah so also there you see the benefit
2: yeah. Yeah. the same is true for the other species eh? uh, if you look for for the pigs and, and for the poultry eh, it is not that the best performing uh, farms or farmers eh, will not benefit eh? uh, i would e- i would almost even say on the contrary eh, because the, the basic principle is actually yes, they will, the, you kill the bacteria and the animal will be less affected, neg- negatively affected. Right. Eh? But actually what you also try to do is to positively affect the animal eh? via the immune system eh? by modulating it. And that is best achieved at good performing farms. Yep. Eh? So, uh, But of course, if you talk for a layer company which is producing 99, it will not contribute to become 100.
3: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's always yeah, there's they have uh, to be realistic. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. animal physiology. It's just not possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So
4: you're, you're preventing more than you're falsing or treating. Yeah, for if you sure. Do that, then, when you, you know, because you're working with a living, eating, breathing animal that is susceptible to changes in environment and stress and yeah. whatever it may be, yeah. uh, if you're that prevention helps even those good farms. If they run into a situation like
2: that. Yes. Carry through. It is a a biological process. eh? Livestock is a biological process. eh? And you try to control the environment as much as possible. eh? And this means the environment outside of the animal, but also the environment inside the animal. eh? Otherwise, you will sooner or later, you will end up at a certain stage in your process with a problem. eh? And uh, for that, eh, if you're able to... First of all, one of the environments is the negative bacteria. Okay, you kill them. But then there are also other challenges which have an impact on the immune system. This can even be a plane which flies over your your farm because then the animals get stressed. And this has an impact on your immune system. But you do not realize that. You just say, yeah, they were scared. But it has an impact on your immune system. So by modulating that, you even have an impact on that.
4: For yep. not only airplanes, but when the geese fly. Farmers say that a lot of time <laughs> that when geese are migrating, spring or fall, is that's when they'll tend to see more issues. On their yeah, fall. that's
3: probably the Canadian geese here. They're quite noisy, so, so I agree with that. not right?
4: noisy, but uh, when uh, they're, they're flying and stopping and... Oh, I like that. And, uh, yeah. 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 and yeah, you, you can, can hear them too, green, right? So, yeah, you know, so yeah geese. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I said we'd touch on it. We haven't got back to there, but maybe... This might bring it full circle in terms of new and emerging applications, and that would be on the viral side of things. Like we talked a lot about yeah. E. coli, Salmonella. Uh, we didn't really get into the into the poultry diseases, uh, uh, Coxie, well parasitic, but um, uh, the Clostridia. But maybe on the viral side, we should we should talk about that a little bit. Being that ASF is such a hot topic right now.
3: Yeah, we we can touch upon that briefly. Yes, ASF is of course a hot topic. Um, quite some trials research has been done on on potential antiviral effects of MCFAs. Um, we know from from some trials that there is a there is an activity against so-called enveloped viruses because the envelope of these viruses is similar to the bacterial cell membrane, right. so similar to the structure of our MCFAs that we use in our blends. So. What well, we've seen in some trial work, for instance, uh, Pierce virus, PED virus, we know that there is an effect against these viruses. Um, it's work in progress, right? So we've got some trial results, it looks positive, but no claims yet. Of it's course, true. ASF is an enveloped virus as well. So that, of course, accelerated everything. And also on that side, yeah. we've got some first preliminary results that look positive, but yeah, it's it's work in progress. But again, it's definitely something new, and definitely okay. something that that hopefully will happen happen fast. Yeah.
1: But but the idea will be to be preventative again, preventative, as opposed Always. to as opposed Always. to treatment. Always, right.
3: yeah. MCV is not an antibiotic; they should be used as a prevention. Yeah. Always, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, what about other uh, on? Those are th- the big ones right now, for sure. On on the swine uh, pig production side, what about viral on? viral infections and combating viral infections on the, on the poultry side, Jan?
2: Yeah, first of all, I'm a, not... A, a, I, AI, can we yes, do that? Yes, I'm, I'm not a veterinarian. <laughs> That's the first thing I have to say. Uh, but I think that for uh, for poultry, yes, the the threat of the diseases is more limited than with pigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so indeed, yes, you have influenza uh, uh, and you have other uh, viruses if they are... Uh, if the animal gets infected, that, and then I talk about uh, the economical impact. It's not only about the, the impact for the farm itself, but for, for the country or for the region. Yeah. Because then you yeah. to, then we have to look to, to, to national or uh, European or uh, laws, because they can have an impact uh, for that. And so um, we definitely have to look uh, into that as well. Uh, but uh, in terms of different types of viruses, it will be much more limited, I, I think, because it's a totally different way in the field, how we protect today already the poultry with vaccinations. And because if you are in a layer, in a, in a layer or a breeder business, they, they are reared for 18 weeks, almost every week they are vaccinated, Yeah, which is not the case uh, for pigs, uh, because they're, not everything may be vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, the same is also, well, uh, we cannot vaccinate for influenza. Yeah, yeah, and not so, with the same frequency for yes. sure. Yeah. so we must look for for the, the alternatives but uh, let's first look to what is happening with the pigs Yeah. Well, good
1: i think we covered off a whole uh a whole array of topics there um so i'm glad to i know we're on a bit of a time constraint but i'm glad to keep, Glad to give it back to Brad and maybe we can just close this out.
0: Yeah, no, that was an awesome discussion, everybody. Thanks, Rob. That was great diving in on the science and getting some awesome ideas and insights on this technology. I guess just as a final wrap up, maybe if we could just get a final thought from everyone on as we look at the future, are we optimistic about this technology and what do we foresee unfolding just quick i'm going to limit each to 30 seconds Falco?
3: yeah well, well we're, we're we're very optimistic and really it should be mcfas we hope we foresee that it will become a standard you know implementation in in livestock production animal feed so we, we, we step away from the problem-solving things, Now it is going to be a standard implementation, such as you know vitamin A and E in the past. No one knew it in the past, and now it's all standard. People you know, don't think about it, it's implemented. That's what we foresee, what we hope to, uh, to achieve, yeah.
2: Yeah, th- I, I think I can only agree with that, eh? but if I look specifically <coughs> to the market of poultry, there are two things. First of all, the poultry market as such is growing very good. Uh, That is one thing. Uh, This gives us the opportunity actually uh, to to, to export uh, or to utilize the medium chain fatty acids technology in a broader market. uh, But at the same time, uh, medium chain fatty acids, they are are molecules uh, which have proven actually that once you know them, you can really use them in different combinations. Mm -hmm. uh, And not only with medium chain fatty acids as such, uh, also in combinations with other molecules, which gives and opens, of course, a new era for application, uh, for other topics, for other objectives, uh, and uh, for that also, uh, because of course uh, we have the the world of today, uh, but we also should look uh, for the world for tomorrow, uh, and for that definitely the medium-chain fatty the acids they will open a new door. Excellent,
0: lots of exciting, lots of exciting potential, potential ahead, of Mark ahead and Doug. And Doug
4: looking forward to having the opportunity to continue to work with this and understand it more uh and to see how it can fit in with our other with the other c b s feed science platforms and again for me it's really going to be about focusing on the prevention and not the treatment uh, and the you know the long term term effects of, the, of this technology or the long term benefits of this technology doug a
0: quick doug thought, a quick thought uh,
4: it's just, it's just kind of exciting for me to watch some of our customers now uh, experiment or test and test trying, yeah. 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 trying it out, yeah, uh, yeah, trying it out and looking forward to working with them closer and seeing how those results pan out for them and, and where it can really fit in the market, and especially as we're moving away from
1: the animal art. Excellent. And Rob? Rob? Yeah, you know, you don't get a very, you don't get very many opportunities to, um, um, be at a position to apply novel technology like this. And so the novelty of this technology uh, with that background science fits really well into what we're doing with our feed science platform. So we're, we're excited to be able to see um, uh, the synergies and the additive benefits between all of our different technologies and pushing these together. And then again, obviously working with the new science team to see what kind of um, new advances we can help uh, make as a, as a team. So that's, what, that's, that's what's
0: exciting to me. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap on the SermoCast. Thanks to everyone for participating. Shout out to Eric at Real Roots on the Controls. Check us out on social media and look forward to more SermoCasts in the future.